Welcome to LDS Real People Real Life's podcast. We are back here in 2022 for a brand new year. This is Stephanie Colvin. I am your host coming to you from Southern California here in Ventura. And thanks for joining us. And if you're new, welcome. Okay, to my regular listeners, you guys know me. You know how I feel, what I've been through, what I've been going on just what's been going on in my life and what I'm doing with this podcast. So I had to jump on today because I have to be a witness and share my testimony and testify of what's been going on with me. And it has been exhilarating. I am just so over the moon because the spirit is connecting things for me and is showing me how God is working in my life. And I'm so grateful for this so grateful for this it's not a coincidence that we are in the old testament i I can't how many times have i said that this year it's not a coincidence that we're in the old testament the old testament is teaching us the character of god and jesus christ now the book of mormon the new testament doctrine and covenants of course does that too but there's just something different with the old testament that is so powerful and just changes the game and it elevates the uh, spiritual education and the learning. So, for instance, this morning I was really struck as I was listening to Jared Halverson at Unshaken Saints that um, when the Israelites were rescued by Moses and God, the rescue didn't come in the form of a yacht, it wasn't uncomfortable rescue, it wasn't a rescue that came in the form of a five star hotel. There were millions upon millions of Israelites that had to be evacuated from Egypt. And that journey that they made was a long, arduous journey in terrain that was unpleasant and hard. And the only thing that I can think of to liken it to is what the pioneers did when they came across from Europe to the Americas to be a part of the restoration of the gospel of Jesus Christ here on earth. And then they get to the Red Sea after all of this traveling, all of this walking, you know, um, doing everything that they needed to do to get to and follow what Moses was asking and telling of them to do 
to have this rescue from enslavement. And they get to the Red Sea and it's like, how are we going to get all of these millions of people? You know, there was no National Guard. (laughs) There was no military there to help. There was no government waiting. There was no, um, you know, NATO or UN or helping hands. I mean, none of that was there. There was no Peace Corps. There was nothing. Nothing was there to help these people except for God and Moses. Now, you can't tell me that every single Israelite had mighty faith and was able to steadfastly keep that faith in place and completely trust the Lord every second of the day and night. So just put yourself in their shoes as you paint this picture and you're sitting at the Red Sea and you're looking around yourself and there's so many people, they just look like a bunch of ants in a colony and wondering how they're going to get across the sea. Then finally, this wonderful miracle happens of God's power and divinity, and the Red Sea is parted. But there wasn't a bridge that was built. There was no path that was laid there. It's not like somebody came and and built the yellow brick road for them to cross. They crossed, as far as my understanding, whatever was there, whatever the earth was. They crossed. Can you imagine that? Could you cross it without feeling any fear? I mean, this is something that has never been done on earth before, ever. Um, you know, when you go back to thinking about having steadfast faith, what do you think they were thinking as they were going across? Did they trust the Lord that the water would not consume and encompass them? You know? When you talk about millions of people, you're talking about varying faith all over that spectrum. From, you know, little to a lot and everything in between. And it really made me think. God took away all of their options. As they were living through these plagues, and and, and, because, let's face it, the righteous will suffer alongside the wicked. Not as great as the wicked, but we will feel it too. It's just the way it is. So here they are. These plagues are being sent not only to redeem the children of God because of the covenant that was made with them, but also to awaken the Pharaoh and his people because these two are children of God. And God took away the Israelites, all of their options, and provided one path, one sure path of rescue, and it just hit me. I mean, you might as well just hit me over with a baseball bat. I was like, oh my gosh, how many times has that happened in my life where all my options have been taken away with one path through the trial that was not, the thorns and thistles of that path were not removed for me, but it ended up being the path that was right for that set of circumstances. I got through it. I learned. I was able to reflect and see the blessings and the miracles that Heavenly Father, you know, worked in my life. Isn't that what he did with the Israelites? He took away all their options and left them with one sure path. It just reminds me so much of the um, Footprints in the Sand poem. And so I just want to say this in particular, make sure that I get this out clearly, is that we need to remember that when all, all of our options are taken from us in any chaotic situation that presents itself that we're living through, don't be like me where you feel like you've been abandoned by the Lord. 
you feel like you're walking alone and you're just utterly confused at the fact that there are no options. How often have I felt because I have options that oh, the Lord's got to be there? The Lord's there. You know, he's giving me options so I can choose. And, and maybe sometimes that's true. But I think more often than not, the options are taken from us to really point us in the right direction, to really help us focus on that one sure path through the trial, through the chaos, through the heart of life. Everything that God seems to do is a sure path, but that path always seems to be pretty narrow. Um, and so maybe he takes away all the options that we can find that narrow path. And I believe that's true. This is what happens when the spirit teaches you and guides you and directs you along. So this is revelation for me that I wanted to share. I look at this a lot like when we get up and bear our testimony or when, let's say if I, you know, if we're teaching, we share our spiritual experiences and then through us testifying and witnessing of our spiritual experiences, the spirit can work with your heart and how that can bless your life and be knowledge that can be added upon you and the way that you need it most. And so that is my greatest desire for you is that the Holy Ghost can help you in the way that you need it the most as I share of myself. This is not an easy thing to do, <laughs> to put myself. I'm a very actually private person. I am an open book. Um, I am someone who wears my emotions on my sleeve. I've always tried to change that. And it's just after 49 years, it's who I am. And it's just the way it is. And I think that there may be blessings in that that I'm just not recognizing. But we cannot, we must stay steady and focus on the Lord. And I think that this is what happens when we focus on Jesus Christ. Um and forgive me because I'm so excited. I have had so many spiritual experiences this morning um, and I've only been up for three hours, but I'm making the most of my time and I'm really focusing on the Lord. I love doing my scripture studying with my husband in the morning and then I have my private stuff that I do and then I have the stuff that I do for the podcast and the combination of those three things, boy... The Spirit has just been very, very kind to me this morning. And I really appreciate it. And it just helps me to understand perfectly how much Heavenly Father knows me. And He knew that I needed that piece of knowledge and that nugget of pearl of wisdom. Because I'm looking for that narrow path right now. As we continue to push forward in therapy, my husband and I have been seeing this Latter-day Saint therapist um, for two years separately. We just started to see him together a couple months ago. And uh, what's been revealed, you know, is that through therapy and helping him helping me to understand. And what I love about seeing a Latter-day Saint therapist is he uses the gospel as part of the therapy. So when you're in therapy, you can feel the spirit so strong. And I'm so grateful for that. I'm grateful to have this this God-fearing, God-loving, you know, Christ-loving. He is definitely a servant of the Lord, not just as a therapist, but in his callings and his life. 
Um, he's an amazing man and I'm really grateful for him. Um, but he is able to, cause I've always had this anger and if I could, um, you know, and I've mentioned this many times throughout my podcast episodes, if I could describe it, it was just a constant, it's like a stone, a hot lava stone that's in my heart and it just constantly resides there. Sometimes it's just giving off steam. Sometimes it's hot and it's on fire and it's flowing, but it just never goes away. And I've been with my husband now for 11 years. I've said to him many, many times, like, I don't know why I'm this way. I don't know why this has to be so prevalent within me. Why do I always have to struggle with my temper? Why am I always angry? Like this is getting old and it's exhausting and I just don't want to be this person. Well, on Saturday we had a breakthrough and it was an epiphany. And um, I'm really grateful that uh, we were able to figure it out. And it makes sense. You know, it's the, it's that anger. And I've talked about this before. It's that anger and temper and fight that's helped me to survive my life in particular, the abuse of my life. And I think we can all relate to that. I mean, we have, there's many forms of abuse. It doesn't always have to be um, sexual, verbal, emotional, or physical. Um, Within the family, you can run into abuse out in the world. There's plenty of bullying and unkind things going on in the world that um, if it continues and it's uh, happening often and, um, it's just very prevalent in your life. I mean, it can be very traumatic in the way that your brain processes it and then responds to it. And so that's essentially what's happened to me through the abuse. And then, you know, being raised in a home that was, um, very much driven by a military father who had a temper himself. Uh, so there was, that abuse as well and then of course just the natural things that happen in school the poor choices i made when you make a poor choice you're kind of at the um you're beholden to the consequences of those poor choices and uh because of all those experiences i have like this um, mad teenager within me that when it's triggered it comes out and it gets crazy So if you add on top of that, the fact that I was sent to an elementary school where it was predominantly Hispanic, um, I fought a lot. I was picked on a lot because I was the token white girl. And um, everything was just always about color, even then. And I was born in 72. Um, And then through junior high and high school, as I, you know, as inevitably ran into somebody who was going to say something or do something, um, we don't escape any type of bias or bullying in school. It's just the way it is. I would, I would fight. That's who I was, and that's how I survived. Unfortunately, it has also been a hardship for me carrying this rock around. So yeah, it's been a blessing. And it's helped me to survive and to defend myself, especially when people have come to hurt me, which is what happened in school, especially when I was attending the school where um, I was one of very few white kids. And the joke about this is that 
I'm a quarter Hawaiian. But just because I don't look Hawaiian, I'm the token white kid, and they just made my life miserable. Um, And this is why we should not be defining each other by skin color, sexual orientation, you know, all of these things. Who's vaccinated? Who's not vaccinated? Just all of this stuff. I wish in my heart of hearts that this stuff would stop because we harm each other so much and so deeply by doing this stuff to each other. And yet nowadays they act as if all of this is new. They'll talk about the history that we have here in America about race. And I'm not trying to make this about race. I'm sorry. My mind's going from one thing to another. Um, but the younger generation acts as if it's new and it's just not. Um, hate has been around since uh, Adam and Eve left the the garden and started to have children. You know, you look at Cain and Abel. Hate has been around for a long time since the earth was um, populated. It's part of our fallen nature and uh, the way that we are, the way that we're built here on earth, you know, this experience. Um, so once he was helping, once he helped me to identify the source of my anger, then we could start working on building up that spiritual and temporal tool chest to deal with it. Um, and I'm so grateful for that because I've actually this week, I mean, it's only Wednesday. I've been very proactive about applying those tools, such as, you know, the breathing exercises, um, turning to the things that remind me of God's power and that I don't have to be beholden to the whims of people here on earth, that I can trust that God, even when I'm being buffeted by the choices of others, um, that he is there and that he will help me perfectly. Um, it's never going to be a situation where you escape any type of uh, negative consequences. But I know that with God, my consequences um, of positive love and uh, blessings are going to be greater than the other. And so I, I choose to accept that. And... Um, just trying to make sure that I um, do the therapy in order to be a healthier person, not only for myself, but for my family, my husband, and then also for my ward family, for God, for Christ, you know, as I go out and serve and fulfill my own callings. Um, I'm trying to learn how to relax. I'm someone that likes to always be on the go. And if I'm sitting down for too long of a time, I'm always looking for something to do. Um, I'm trying to be more of a Mary versus a Martha. I used to be the Mary. And then as I got older, I turned into a Martha. Um, And I'm trying to find more of a balance of... um, not feeling like everything has to be perfectly in its place or order and putting more of that to the side and living life, enjoying the blessings that God's given me and engaging in the gospel. Um, I want to be Mary. When Christ comes to my home, I want to sit at his feet and listen to him. 
So this is my goal and my focus, and I'm grateful for the many resources and the fact that the church encourages us to use all resources given to us, which again is medication, therapy, exercising, uh, making sure that we're eating right, getting enough sleep. And then I think that faith is a huge part of anyone's journey who is dealing with um, mental illness, some type of you know, chaos in their life, um, whatever the case may be, we can truly have peace in the midst of the circumstances that we have been given. And that's what the scriptures is filled with, a story upon story of people who have served the Lord, but have shown us that their life was not one of privilege. It wasn't one of... Uh, where everything was just hunky-dory and everything was okay because they were serving the Lord. There were still things that had to be done. There was a refiner's fire, a consecration that had to happen. And that's going to happen repeatedly throughout our life. So we have to not be afraid. We can't be afraid of these moments that are going to happen to bless us. And it truly will bless us. Heavenly Father doesn't do anything Um, but bless our lives because that is his character and that is who he is. So I wanted to talk about some things that makes our heart, our heart hard. Um, anger is definitely one of them. And it's probably for me in my mind, as I think about what we can do to harden our heart to the Lord, probably the first and foremost way to do it is to be angry. Um, bitter, you know, and then you take that anger and bitter out on yourself and the people around you, um, the people that you encounter, you know, as you go out into your world and you're just spreading all of that, whether or not you're actively doing it, um, intentionally doing it, it's just part of your countenance and, um, definitely makes your heart hard. So if we look at the Pharaoh of Egypt in the story of the Israelites, how many times did God send trials and hardships his way, trying to soften his heart? And it says in the scriptures, his heart was softened a few times, but it just unfortunately just didn't last um, because the Pharaoh wasn't believing. He didn't have faith. He didn't know the Lord. When we don't know the Lord, we can't have faith and be believing. And that's why our spiritual education is so extremely important. So important. Uh, so I just wanted to share that with you today because I am so excited as I start to figure out my trials and then I can find solutions. Um, it's just so exhilarating and just absolutely exciting to be able to, you know, for once, I thought I was going to have to live with this for the rest of my life, this temper and anger issue. And now I have hope that I can actually not be this angry person walking around because of Jesus Christ and his atonement, which is all encompassing. It truly is infinite. Um, so what are things that we can do to soften our hearts? We can cry unto the Lord. When we cry unto the Lord with all our heart and we're just completely open and genuine and pure with him, 
He will answer our prayers and he will guide our lives and bless us for it. Um, The Spirit of God that softens us is the Holy Spirit or the Holy Ghost. When we feel the Spirit of God, I don't know about you, but whenever my... I've had some ice around my heart because life has been hard. As soon as I feel the spirit, all of that ice melts and it's, I mean, it's forgotten. That's how powerful the spirit is. Also, we can put off the natural man. So what is the natural man? Well, we really consider, we talked about anger. There's also pride. There's selfishness. Um, We are sinful. We will transgress. So we do the best to put off the natural man. We must acquire deep humility. Deep humility allows us to be submissive, teachable, humble. All the um, ways that we need to be in order to be taught and to receive revelation that will give us the peace that we're desperately seeking as we continually live out these latter days, which are hard. It's difficult. Satan rages in the hearts of men, and it is hard to be here sometimes. It is hard to be around it. And there was a, I can't remember who said this, But it said the righteous will always suffer when the wicked rule. It's such a suffering of heartache when the wicked rule. Um, To look around you and I feel like that's where we're at already. The wicked are ruling. They're ruling the world. And so many things are wrong. I mean, we truly are in those prophecies where wrong is right and right is wrong. And um, we're seeing that more and more even in mainstream world. I mean, look at what happened at the Oscars on Sunday. And that was a very visual, accessible, I mean, people were watching it. Over 15 million people. And then let's talk about who hears it or who's in the room. What little ears and eyes saw that? And what are they learning from it? You know, we are a society that is we are just falling, falling, falling deeper into a muck, a pile of mud, and it's just filthy. Um, and then we've got these young kids coming up and they're being exposed to it and they think it's okay. They think it's justified. If you're on social media, some of the responses, a lot of the responses from the younger generation was good. He deserved it. Um, And these kids just don't have the nuclear family, the mothers and the fathers together to teach them. Uh, You can really see what the divorce and broken families have done to our youth as we continue to pump out generation of generation of people and children of God that come to earth and the consequences of the divorce rate of fatherless and motherless children. So other ways that we can soften our heart is to become a saint through Jesus Christ. 
to be purified through his atonement, um, to be sanctified. We talked about being childlike. That also includes being full of love, being untreatable, willing to submit to all things from God and Christ, willing to, a willingness to submit to all things that are right and good. We must be very uh, vigilant about this because it, you ever notice how easy it is to pop off, to just be reactionary and get angry? I mean, it's so easy, so easy. But it's not so easy to rein in that secondary, you know, natural reaction and then instead choose to smile or maybe just open the door for them and say, I hope, you know, I hope your day goes better. Or I don't know, just something that is caring and thoughtful instead of engaging. Another thing that comes to mind is the talk about women who lose their femininity, their sensitivity, their tenderness, because they are becoming more and more hard themselves and acting more and more um, aggressive verbally, maybe in body language, maybe even willingness to engage physically. So I hope... I hope I'm communicating this effectively. Um, it is our job being disciples of Jesus Christ to be that standard of difference. We want to be that peculiar person within our group of peers and family. Um, if they're not LDS, if they're not living the gospel, we want to be that light that we reflect from our Savior. And the world needs us, and they need us in large numbers. Um, and it'll be those righteous that will enslave Lucifer. So it's so important for us to teach our children, our grandchildren, our nieces and nephews. If you're in a position to influence the youth righteously, we must open our mouths. I'm going to share a talk that was given by Nancy Wentworth. This is from November of 2012 called Our Eternal Education. And she says, Our eternal education begins with an understanding of where we have come from, why we are here, and where we are going after this life. Our eternal education begins with an understanding from Heavenly Father in Jesus Christ, the Spirit of the Lord. In many ways, the questions that we have, um, we can address as educators. So again, she's this is at BYU Speeches. She's um, one of the professors there on campus, or at least she was. And uh, she was addressing the students there. And the topic of education was eternal education because that's what we're getting here. And it's so, so, so very important. Um, 
she shares a quote by Delaney jokes and he says we are all children of a heavenly father who has sent us to earth with the invitation to prepare for eternal life every choice every experience every repentance and reformation it prepares us for what is to come and then we have president thomas s monson who said clearly one primary purpose of our existence upon the earth is to obtain a body of flesh and bones. We've also been given the gift of agency and a thousand ways we're privileged to choose for ourselves. Here we learn from the hard taskmaster of experience. We discern between good and evil. We differentiate as to the bitter and the sweet and we discover that there are consequences attached to our actions. Um, Sister Sherry Dew had said in one of her talks that we learn how to handle and um, push back against the influence of the adversary in the temple. And so temple education, getting to the temple and spending time there is so very important. And it truly can help us as we push forward during this probationary time here on earth. Um, she talks about how education is a race. What we acquire here, the knowledge that we acquire here, when our spirit is joined with our body, the spiritual education that we obtain is sped up. It just happens at a very quick pace when the two are united. And there's been a, plenty of talks about this, um, that when we pass on, that we're going to miss our body, that we're going to miss the education and the learning that we made when our spirits were united with our body. And um, so we don't want to waste our time. We want to make sure that we're using our time wisely. <clears throat> She goes on to say that in our eternal education, we should remember that we are not in competition with others. And I think that this is something that we deal with often. I mean, we know that comparison is the thief of all joy. And that, that statement, that saying is out there because it's just part of our fallen nature to compare ourselves. And Elder Jeffrey R. Holland expounds on this. He says, brothers and sisters, there are going to be times in our lives when someone else gets an unexpected blessing or receives some special recognition, may I plead with us not to be hurt and certainly not to feel envious when good fortune comes to another person. We're not being diminished when someone else is added upon. We're not in a race against each other to see who is the wealthiest or the most talented or even the most beautiful or the most blessed. The race that we're really in is the race against sin, and surely envy is one of the most universal of those. And then we have a spiritual perspective from Elder Neil L. Anderson. Our prophet and apostles have been truly men of the day, men of their time. And Elder Anderson says, Jesus' call, come follow me, is not only for those prepared to com compete in the spiritual Olympics, in fact, discipleship is not a competition at all, but an invitation to all. Our journey of discipleship is not a dash around the track, nor is it fully comparable to a lengthy marathon. In truth, it's a lifelong migration toward a more celestial world. 
wherever you now find yourself on the road of discipleship, you are on the right road, on the road toward eternal life. Together we can lift and strengthen one another in the great and important days ahead. Thank you so much for all of that wonderful advice, direction, and we do need to be brought back into remembrance. We forget. It's just the way we are. It's the way our brains work. So these are wonderful reminders. When we talk about our eternal education and the importance of it, we are going to be held responsible for the knowledge that we acquire here and what we do with it. We know that we take our temporal and spiritual learning from this experience, from this estate, into the next. And it's just so important that we try to learn as much as we can. And I do believe that's why the church is so supportive of education and has BYU, the other school campuses, and the programs that they offer. We're truly blessed to be a part of the Church of Jesus Christ because this is Christ's church. And he knows what we would benefit from learning here on earth. And he's set it up for us to do that. He's provided avenues and ways. And one of those is the BYU Pathways. It's a great opportunity to work through the church, to get connected with school, and to further your knowledge base and your education. I want to share a scripture that's found in Alma chapter 39, and it is verse 13. Turn to the Lord with all your mind, might, and strength, that you lead away the hearts of no more to do wickedly, but rather return unto them and acknowledge your faults and that wrong which ye have done. When we learn and we acquire knowledge and spiritual education, and then we turn around, it is our duty to teach. And we need to teach and be a witness of the truths and principles, the doctrines that we've learned that the Holy Ghost has taught to us. Um... There are those that are leading our youth in a different direction, and they will be held accountable for that. I know that BYU has had an issue with this with some of their professors and um, not staying in line with the gospel of Jesus Christ and its doctrines. And um, so it's very important that we not only acquire knowledge, spiritual and temporal, but of course I, for me personally, place more weight on the spiritual. But we must make sure that we are not one of those ones that's leading Heavenly Father's children astray. We've got to be very careful about that. Even when I'm teaching, if it's if I'm teaching primary, seminary, if I'm teaching Relief Society, I do inject my own personal testimonies and I want to be a witness of the miracles of the Lord's work in my life. But I do try to be very careful about not injecting my personal opinions so much because I'm not always right and sometimes I read things wrong and I learn later the correction to what I was in error about. 
Um, so to know what to share and what not to share, honestly, I just follow the promptings of the spirit. And so I have to pray constantly that heavenly father will help me to be so very discerning. There is a responsibility that's placed on us as a student, um, the role of a student in the process of learning. And Matthew talks about this responsibility in the book of Matthew in the New Testament. He says, And he spake many things unto them in parables, saying, Behold, a sower went forth to sow. And when he sowed, some seeds fell by the wayside, and the fowls came and devoured them up. Some fell upon stony places where they had not much earth, and forthwith they sprung up, because they had no deepness of earth. And when the sun was up, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprung up and choked them. But others fell into good ground and brought forth fruit, some an hundredfold, some sixtyfold, and some thirtyfold. This is the responsibility of the learner. And that is Matthew chapter 13, verses 3 through 8. And I want to close with just a couple of quotes from our leaders. Elder M. Russell Ballard said in a 2012 conference address, How do we take the seed of faith that has been nurtured in our minds and plant it deep in the fertile soil of our souls? How do we make the mighty change of heart that Alma says is essential for our eternal happiness and peace? How do we nurture and grow that seed of faith in our hearts? We do that by owning up to our responsibility and our end of the learning and being proactive. Just go and do. I hear this a lot in the gospel. Go and do or just do it. And it will truly be a blessing to us. Heavenly Father will consecrate it for our good. And um, there's so many blessings that come from it. And I'll leave that with you in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Stay safe, stay healthy, and most importantly, stay faithful. And remember to be kind for everyone you meet, especially now as fighting a hard battle. Until next time, much love and God bless.